Back for another week, Scoop Duck and Hi-Fi. My name is Matt Bagley, joined as always across the magic of the interwebs by Justin Hopkins of Scoop Duck. And, you know, I, I kind of feel like we're having a changing of the seasons. The weather's getting a little bit better. The, um, the, the football world calming down a little bit with the spring game in the rearview mirror. I just kind of feel like this is a good time of the year to uh, to look forward and, and just kind of think like, man, we've almost got football season. How do you feel, Justin? Yeah, it's almost like we're on the on the downhill turn, right? No, <laughs> the good news is I know it's been a, a rough couple of weeks because it's been raining, kind of windy and stuff out in uh, at least in the Pacific Northwest in Oregon. But, you know, we're about to get the nice weather. People will take vacations. People will, you know, be busy going to the lakes and camping and doing all those fun things you could do in Oregon. And, you know, what will happen is all of a sudden it'll be, bam, August. And yeah. next thing you know, you're right back into football. So it's, it's a good time. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good time. And uh, for, for those of us who want an even better time, we're going to get that queued up in a moment. It's been kind of a crazy day. I, I'll, I'll just have to admit, normally what we do is Justin and I have a meeting of the minds at noon and we tape the pod because that's when I have my lunch break. And what happened this week is at noon, Justin jumps on the uh, Google Meet that we set up, and he says, hey, I, I got to take this. Now, if you've listened to the pod in the past, you know those are big calls, right? That's that's like Duck CEO, somebody important calling in. Justin's got to take that. And that happens. We deal with it. We move on. At the same exact time, I got a call that was the equivalent for me of, uh, you know, Joey Mack reaching out about uh, the uh, Pac-12 baseball tournament that we'll broadcast in a few weeks on our radio stations. And he says, hey, we got to talk about this. So he and I both miss out on that 12 o'clock window. We don't get a super long intro like we like to. And we're just going to lead right into the uh, meat and potatoes of this podcast. We've got Wilson Love. If you don't know the name, he's the new strength and conditioning coach for the Ducks. I'm really excited to talk with him. I'm really excited to learn his story, learn what brought uh, an SEC strength and conditioning coach to Oregon and the West Coast and uh, and to Dan Lanning's staff. And we get to learn all of that in moments right here. Wilson Love coming up on Scoop Duck and High Five. Okay, Wilson Love. The new strength and conditioning coach of the Ducks, first year on the job at Oregon, though has uh, experience in the SEC predating that. Coach, my favorite starter, every time we have a new player or a new coach on the pod, I love to know the why. I love to know what brings somebody to the Ducks. Why Oregon? It's pretty simple. Why not? You know, you know, a lot of people probably say that. Why not Oregon? I believe, and I believe that. I mean, growing up as a kid, uh, I grew up in Alabama, but the one team I always kind of feared playing was Oregon just because of the brand. You know, it's a fast team. It's a physical team. But it's a team that has no ceiling. There's a team that, honestly, I mean, we call it the Oregon Trail for a reason, and I, and I see it now for you know, coming to football, you know. But – all jokes aside, I mean, th this place is incredible. You know, just seeing it, how it's always yeah. grown and what C Coach Cristobal brought here and now to what we're trying to bring here too, it's, it's, uh, there's no ceiling here. So and we're, we're going to climb a mountain and we're going to go, we're going to go get after it. Uh, Coach, I'm going to, I'm going to take it all the way back. Obviously, I don't know that folks know a lot about you and that's a, that's a great thing for us to kind of talk about 
it looks like from the research I saw, you grew up in Alabama, obviously played your high school ball in Alabama, and were fortunate enough to get an offer to play for Alabama. What, you know, kind of what was that like in your childhood? What did you like to do beyond football? Uh, you know, and, and how did you end up getting a scholarship to Alabama? You know, growing up in Alabama, it's either you play football or you go work in the fields, farming or something, or, or you're not going to do anything good at all. So you don't have a lot of options. But growing up in Alabama, you know, there was just a lot of pride in, in, what, in football. And that, that's kind of why I am today. That's why I have a lot of energy. That's why I love what I do and the passion, just because that's kind of what your upbringing is. That's football in Alabama. You know, I had a great career in high school, and I was blessed to have a good family that my brother played at Alabama. You know, my father kind of showed me the ropes and, and all that. And I was fortunate enough to get an offer from, you know, Coach Saban and his staff. And I got there and made the best I could of my career. And next you know, I'm, I'm coaching football over there. So, and it really is a dream come true because my whole life I've dreamed of running out of that tunnel in Alabama and making it a reality is pretty special. But that's why football special to me is growing up in that state really helped me out bringing that passion. And there's a lot of that here too in Oregon. Uh, for me, you know, I, I mean, obviously Georgia and coach landing won the national championship last year, had a, had a, had a terrific run, but, but really Nick Saban's kind of been the benchmark. He's been the, he's been the staple at the top for a long time. Does it at a high level from your interactions with that program and working there? What makes him tick? What makes that program work? Why aren't they able to sustain that level of success? You know, Alabama, you know, seeing Coach Saban since I was in sixth grade, whatever it might have been, seventh grade, all the way to playing for him and working for him. So this is this process. Everybody throws that word around process, but it's real with him. Every single day, he's striving to be the best. He's not going to let, you know, outside sources bother him and whatever get in the way of his mission. He is totally focused on the process each and every day, and it's pretty special to see it. And, and then once you're a part of it, you understand it and you see why because some people, you know, when they have success, that can be the biggest enemy to people. Coach Saban doesn't allow that to happen. When he has success, he always builds upon it and never is satisfied. Like it truly is the Kobe Bryants and like the Michael Jordans, the one percents. They're always striving to be the best no matter what. It's just that greatness that they have instilled in them. And it's pretty incredible to see that happen. I love that comparison, you know, Kobe, MJ, those just competitive almost almost winning addicts right compulsive winners they had to be on top they had to get better every day um I, i've never thought of sabin in that light but it makes a lot of sense when you think about your history at bama and i think about the uh, the bama oregon comparisons over the years because of, of mario cristobal's history there and dan lanning's history there do you think that that sabin mentality can be brought to oregon I don't, I don't want to say it's a Saban mentality because oh, there is only one Nick Saban. There are certain things and pieces and qualities that people are fortunate enough to be in this program want to bring. There's a lot of great stuff. It's all about how Coach Landing and our program creates our own vision, our own process. And, yes, a lot of people want to match what Coach Saban did, but that's work, that works at Alabama. That works for Coach Saban. So I'm a big supporter of – it's not the saving way. you got to create it your way. There are certain principles and philosophies that we're going to bring with that, but Coach Lanning does the best job of letting the, the players and the staff know this is what our goals are, these are our expectations, and this is the process we're going to do to get there. So 
I believe, yeah, there's a lot of comparisons and things like that, but we got to make it our own special way. When Coach Lanning reached out to you, obviously you were at Ole Miss at the time. Uh, he reached out to you, offered you a position, or however the conversation went. What uh, you know? What kind of made you want to jump at that? At that and and join Coach Lanning's staff out here at Oregon. Right, and it wasn't an easy decision. You know, I have a lot of respect for Coach Kiffin. You know, he's the first person that gave me an opportunity to be a head strength coach, and there's always love for him forever in my life for him. But it goes back to what Coach Lanning represents. I, when I see this guy back at Alabama, he's all about the players. The guy's consistent. He truly and genuinely loves the players, and he's a great teacher. I want to surround my family. I want to be around a, a man that's – vision is to be the best but also too he's going to serve the kids he's going to do whatever it takes to get these players to be the best versions of them you know he's going to give them a blueprint to be elite on all facets of life and, and i mean that when i say that because i see it you know you hear people talk to him i've worked with him for one year but that's somebody you want to surround yourself with we all say we want to be the best well you got to surround yourself with the same the people in the same mission as you and that's to be great and that's what coach Lanning's trying to do and it's freaking awesome to be part of it man like and uh, once he gave me that opportunity, you know, I had to say, yeah, I couldn't say no to that. And I moved my family all across the country out here because I believe in his vision. But also, more importantly, I believe in Oregon. Uh, you moved your family all the way across the country to be here and, and be a part of the landing program. Uh, what do you like about Eugene so far? It is beautiful. You know, I, I, I nothing against Mississippi, but it was very different compared to here. Oh, yeah. Um, it's the, everything here is uh, it's beautiful, man, the hikes and – the greenery, you know, every now and then the rain's finally going away. So, like, you see the sun out all the time. It's just beautiful, you know. So, I, my family can drive the coast we want to. My wife's from South Florida, so we love the we love the water. So, there, there's so much amazing things to do here. And every weekend we're finding new things to do with the family. You know, I have a one-year-old daughter, so she's, she's getting there and having fun now. So, it truly is a blessing to live in a place that's so beautiful and a place that has a lot of exciting things to do. Uh, I would I would have to say, <clears throat> excuse me, and he's been on the podcast with us before with Coach Feld, but it would seem just from from my point of view that that keeping Coach Shad Williams as one of your assistants is probably one of the biggest wins for Dan Lanning. What are your thoughts on Coach Shad, and why was he so important to keep with the program? I mean, he's amazing. I've known Coach Shad for about five years now, and it's a guy I've always had fellowship with, and you know, I'm really happy I can finally have him on the staff. And um, it's been incredible because he's his knowledge, just his drive. You know, you always say you want people on the staff with you that are driven to be the best. You know, they're not here just to, to be a, to do a job. They're here to do more. They're here to create. You know, they're here to envision kids. And what he what Coach Shad does is spectacular. And I can't say enough. And he's our assistant head strength coach because he's that good. And um, I really rely on him. This program really relies on him. And it was a major win for us keeping him here. Absolutely. I know the players really like him, too. So I know a lot of them considered that a big win. Um, one of the, the different roles, I should say, that, that, that you and Coach Landing have brought, you know, has been the addition of Jaworski. And, and I believe he's like the speed and development coach in that regard. Kind of what does he do with the team and, and, and why was that a big addition for this team as well? You know, Coach Jaws, it was a huge addition. He, he's been with me the past couple of years at, at Ole Miss and this game's about speed, guys. And in the day, we can't train big old slow dinosaurs anymore. In the day, if you want to be a great team, the bridge between being a good team and a great team is how fast you are. 
And it's not just running a 40. It's not just running a pro agility drill. It's game speed. How fast can this player get a point A to point B? How fast can he react? How fast can he cut? Because this game's about eliminating time and space. In order to do that, you got to be fast. And that goes for all positions. And he is one of the best in the country at what he does, how he looks at things, how, he pro- how we program things together, and how we get our guys fast. Also, too, in season mode, practice, how we monitor our guys' GPS systems. You know, having Coach Jaws, the energy he brings, the mindset he brings with the guys, and it's incredible. And I, we are blessed to have him on board here at Oregon. I don't have a question following up on that, but but just listening to you talk about game speed, GPS tracking, and uh, and speed training, I have to think there are thousands of Duck fans chomping at the bit to see that in action. You, those are a lot of good words to a lot of people. <laughs> no doubt. And that's what this game's about. You know, um, we're, we're here to train football players. We're not here to train bodybuilders. We're not here to train Olympic lifters. We're here to train football players. And my job is to make sure we give them a blueprint to be the best version of themselves on Saturday. Point blank period. That is our jobs. And we're going to do it our, to the best of our ability and the resources we have here, the people we have on staff. And just seeing this only the, the four or five months we've been here, the seeing the guys, how much faster they've gotten on their explosive data that we have and all the guys. It, it's, it, it is, but the best thing is we're just getting started, too. We're about to do some really good things when it comes over here in the weight room. Has that been a uh, – I, I want to ask because it seems as though uh, the overall speed of the team – has maybe been an issue the past couple of years. Has that been a point of emphasis since you guys have arrived at Oregon? It, it, we, what we do is we'll never compare things that's been done before because they did a great job uh, right. before we got here. But what we did is we looked at guys before we even started training. We wanted to see their left leg versus their right leg, any asymmetry issues. We measured power, speed, strength to see what their needs are. Some guys are strength-based needs. Some guys are power-based needs and speed on top of that. So in the day, our whole thing is how can we make the individual faster and stronger and more resilient to injuries, whatever it may be, because every player has different needs based upon injury history, based upon how their DNA is built up. I mean, everybody is different. So we have to train different. And that's what our mindset is. I tell our guys all the time, in the day, guys, only one team's on top of the mountain. And everybody's kind of in the middle. Well, what are we going to do to be different? What are we going to be to do to get to the top of the mountain? So we have to true it. So in order that to happen, we have to train differently. Uh, during Coach Cristobal's time here, you know, one of the big elements uh, that he would often talk about is fourth quarter program. You know, obviously something that he was, uh, you know, very close to being at Alabama. How does that fit in with with? with your philosophy and what you're doing with Oregon currently? Is it much different? Is it slightly different? How would you kind of characterize that for just, you know, the everyday casual fan? Right. And what I always say is it's not my fourth quarter program. It's the program's fourth quarter program. And we don't even call it the fourth quarter program anymore. We call it a climb because in the day, the season's a climb. And every single step matters. Every single quarter matters. Every play, every decision Everything matters, and that kind of goes with a mountain climb. Everybody wants to get to the top of the mountain. Every single step, every single thing we do, it matters. So our, our off-season program is called the climb, and we like that. And, and that's what our guys are bought into, and, and we really do love it. But, yeah, there's a time and place that you have to kind of test the waters. You have to kind of push guys a little bit more, and that's all time and place. And 
Yeah, it's been a really, really good off season, and uh, we're looking forward to starting this next phase after the May phase. Well, so that's definitely my next question is, obviously, uh, you know, not everybody knows how much time you're allowed with the players. Of course, it's, it's you know, NCA regulated. So currently in the month of May, as you, as you said, how much time are you allowed to spend with the team each week right now? And what are some of the things that you're working on? Yeah, so we have, I get uh, in the strength and conditioning, we only get eight hours a week. Um, and we're using all eight. You know, all right now our foundation is putting some size on the weight room. You know, going back to the fundamentals and the basic principles of how to sprint, how to cut, how to move properly. Just like players, they, they, the coaches break down what they do on film and individual drills and all that. Well, we break down to how we move and show our guys on tape, guys, this is how we need to cut. This is how we need to accelerate, decelerate. Because in the day, we got to show all of our guys this is what we need to do to be the best version of us. Because we're trying to find those small differences to be different in this in this conference and, and in the playing college football. So right now, we're really attacking the weight room hard, and also attacking basic uh, fundamental principles on the field. Also, yoga. We're, we're also doing a lot of different things with flexibility aspect, and also to team bonding is the most important thing we'll always do in this program. Is the the connection that we have with our guys and our, and our teammates with each other. Uh, June and July, there's also no football, as we know. Uh, are, are you under the same restrictions as far as time in those months as well? Yes, yes. So we only get eight hours um, for off-season. Now, when you go to spring practice and football and fall camp, that changes to 20 hours. But um, when it's just no football involved, it's only eight hours a week we get. And that, and that includes the time Coach Jaw spends with them. That's that's everything that you guys are able uh, yes, to do sir. with them. That, yes, That is everything. Uh, I always like to ask this question, and Coach Feld was really good at dodging it, and I'm sure you probably <laughs> is, are as well. But <laughs> any guys that, you know, I know everybody's working hard and doing great, but any guys that you've noticed have really made some significant strides uh, in the last few months, just those guys that you could tell are, are really putting in the time and, and really trying to make the most out of their time with you guys. Yeah, I'll probably do the same job Coach Feld did. But at the end of the day, our, our guys are doing incredible. They really are. Um, I, I will never just point out individuals because in the day at Oregon, we're all one. Um, so we're all in this thing together. So a lot of there's been incredible gains in this program. But it's just not in the gains that they see in their body. It's just their confidence. It's just the product they want to create, the legacy that 2022 Oregon football. We ask them all the time, guys. 2022 Oregon football dot 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 how are we going to fill in the dots what are they going to say about this team so that's what we're trying to create is the team mindset and I always tell them too guys being a team is a privilege it's earned it's not given to you it's earned because it's most one of the most beautiful things you can ever be part of as a team so um, that's what a really thing good thing right now about these kids and they're making great strides right now you mentioned the the amount of time you're allowed to have with your players and, and the amount of time you're restricted from having with your players. I'm curious, how much time do you spend with Coach Lanning? Oh, a good bit. I mean, Coach Lanning, he's, he's incredible to work for because, you know, he helps you think, he helps, you know, piece things out. He, he'll ask you questions and he's always really, really good at just making this program better. And, you know, Coach Lanning and I, you know, we, we work with each other a lot and, it's been really incredible. So not sure what sort of hours we're, we're working with there, but um, it's, it's a blessing to be able to work for him. Straight up, who would win in an arm wrestling competition? 
Ah, <laughs> 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 oh, how about that? <laughs> you, you taking the fifth? You, you'd be hard to say you played in the fifth on that one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, you know, no, coach. We appreciate your time. Kind of before we send you off here, uh, I know you're kind of new to Eugene, still getting you know getting your bearings on everything. But have you found uh, maybe a restaurant or a brewery or something that you and the family have really enjoyed? You know, maybe frequenting so far uh, yeah. in your time in Eugene. Yeah, my wife, you know, she uh, she likes the finer things in life in a good way, and she deserves that. We, we uh, went to King Estate. That place is special out there, the winery. So um, that that place is beautiful out there. Um, we've been to a couple of the, all the good pubs. I'm a big hamburger guy, man. Me and Coach Jaws, uh, we first moved here January and February. I think we, uh, we hit a new burger spot every Wednesday and Friday. So we've had them all, Coach Jaws and I have. So it's been, it's been really good, though. I, I I kind of forget some of the restaurant names, but uh, we've really enjoyed the, the food, the food scenery here and all that. So it's been awesome. Aren't, aren't burgers like the anti-speed food? <laughs> without a doubt, without a doubt. So we're, we're definitely not practicing what we preach on that one. But hey, I, we, we always tell them all the time, hey, Coach Jaws, Coach Love, Coach Lanning, we're not playing any ball games for the Ducks this year, baby. So we're going to be all right. <laughs> no, I love it. I love it. Great. Yeah, Coach, I don't know if you went for Mother's Day, but it looked like Mother's or King Estate had a really good Mother's Day offering. So oh, yeah. uh, hopefully hopefully you treated the the uh, your better half really well there. Uh, Coach, we appreciate – always, always. Well, we appreciate your time. I know you've got a lot going on. We appreciate the, the 20 to 30 minutes you've given us. So uh, we look forward to having you on again soon, and, and hopefully we can get Coach Jaws next week. No doubt. Awesome, guys. I appreciate you. you have a great week. When I heard him speak, I heard Dan Lanning. Like, that's why I had to ask the Lanning question. I, I've said for years – I think the most important coach on a staff, other than your head coach, is your strength coach because he gets to work with everybody. He gets to, to talk with everybody, to reach everybody on the roster, and uh, to hear Wilson Love basically give the Ducks State of the Union, right, of, of here's what Oregon football will be in 2022, dot, dot, dot. That just, to me, it's like talking to Dan Lanning about all that. It was perfect. Well, it, it is, you know, and I, <clears throat> you know, he's obviously a different person than Coach Feld. You know, Coach Feld's great, got a good energy, but, you know, Coach Love also had a good energy about him, very direct, um, just kind of really, I felt was transparent. And I think, uh, not that Coach Feld wasn't, but I just felt he was very transparent, something that a lot of folks have mentioned about Coach Lanning. Um, and I, you know, I mean, there's just something real to that, right? I think mm-hmm. if you're a, a 17, 18, 19, 20 year old kid, uh, you know, not all these kids are, are rocket scientists or anything, but they're usually pretty good at reading through the bull crap. And, you know, if, if they kind of pick up on that, that you're doing that, um, you know, they're going to turn you off real quick. And, and I have heard, you know, coach love, you know, wouldn't have acknowledged this if I'd said it to him, but I have heard that a lot of the players have responded incredibly well to him. Just that, that realness, that transparency, um, you know, the directness. I know a really big thing that Coach Feld did very well uh, that I believe Coach uh, Love does as well is the why, right? These guys want to know, why am I doing this exercise? Why are we doing yoga? Why right. should I eat this way? You know, and when you give that to them, you know, it clicks like, oh, okay, well, fine. You want me to eat? crackers for a week i'd really love to have five hamburgers but here's the why and and so i'm going to do it um and that was a bad example but you get my point right um, right i get and, your point. and to your point 
Well, and to your point and to your statement, Matt, um, uh, you know, when you look at a football program, right, uh, the the players show up, right? They show up and they want to play for the head coach. Well, the reality is this. They don't see the head coach very much week in and week out. Okay, they don't. They rarely get one on one time with them. Usually, if they are, it's because they're in trouble. Uh, you just, you know, that person you're not there one on one with very often. Uh, the person that you spend the most time with is your position coach, as it should be. That's the guy you're going to have the best relationship with and work most in and out. But the second guy is, you know, Coach Love, your strength and conditioning coach. He's the guy that's with you all year long. He's the guy that, you know, is really kind of looking at your body and and asking you really important questions about your body and how you're feeling and and and, sp- and speaking to the trainers about you and speaking to the coaches about you. He's kind of like the hub. So I, I think to your point, yeah, a guy like Coach Love or a guy like Coach Feld that was at Oregon is vital to your program. And that guy really has to be able to, you know, relay information from the player to the position or the head coaches or the trainers or the nutritionist or to Coach Jaws at speed. Um, you know, that's it's, it's your it's your secret weapon. It's your hidden weapon. And if you've got a really good one, uh, your football team is going to be better served. And I think they got a pretty good one. You know, we, we had Kenny Dillingham, Ducks OC, the last time we taped the podcast together. And, and Kenny got me fired up talking about how he wants to attack, right? In the first couple plays of the game, he wants to throw deep and, and be aggressive. And I got chills because I'm thinking that's how Oregon used to play. They didn't play that way. They're going to try to play that way again. I, I felt the same way. When Wilson Love talked about speed, we want speed. We want guys that are fast. And and he, he took it one step further, and he mentioned they're going to use GPS monitors, which that's pro. Like, the NFL has started doing that now. Uh, and, and Alabama does that. Some very elite programs do that. Uh, th- that emphasis on game speed. I, I feel like Oregon is getting back to Oregon. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I agree with you. Between... Uh, you know, hearing how Coach Dillingham wants to be offensively with what we saw in the spring game offensively to, you know, like you said, what, what Coach Lev just said, especially talking about Coach Jaws, you know, seeing Oregon get back to kind of being faster again and being explosive. And, you know, that leads to big plays. That leads to turnovers. That leads to, you know, explosive plays. All those things that, you know, as, I mean, we'll just say it. We were used to in the Chip Kelly offense days. You know, those were a lot of fun. And, you know, again, I can see the mindset of a coach Chris Ball. He won a lot of games doing things his way. Oh yeah. But I also I also see how coach or excuse me, fans, you know, do kind of miss some of that element of what we've had at Oregon. And uh yeah, I think for me, I can go ahead and say it because I'm not Coach Love and I respect that he's he's being respectful to others in his industry. I don't think Oregon had been as fast. I mean, for the type of athletes they'd had, I don't think they'd been as fast or as agile as they possibly could have been or should have been. Now, is that Coach Feld's fault? Is it a byproduct of COVID and all the things that we've gone through the last couple of years and being restricted on practice times and and things of that nature? Certainly all those things play a factor. So for for me, you know, hearing somebody say that they've really kind of emphasized and spent a lot of time getting these guys faster and looking at their bodies. And, you know, Oregon had a ton of injuries. Uh, I felt Oregon was a little bit slower than maybe they should have been. And it sounds like perhaps they've noticed those things too and are working on it. And I think that's, I, I, I you know, I think that's the right thing. I think it's a great thing. Yeah. I mean, look, at the end of the day, 
we both believe in this team and we're both biased because we get to interview all the people that work with this team so you're never going to hear us slam or or slam harshly uh anybody that that currently uh you know has a stake in the job but i I think about mario cristobal gets to three pac-12 title games wins two Pac-12 title games, wins a New Year's Six Bowl, goes to Columbus, beats Ohio State. All those great things, all those amazing accomplishments. I don't want to I don't want to, you know, just throw that in the trash heap, but at the same time, those two losses to Utah, blowout losses, I I think showed us that if Oregon had to make a change, it wouldn't have been the worst thing in the world. So Oregon had to make a change because Mario Cristobal goes home. And I, I really like the change because, like you said, you know, a lot of injuries last year. Uh, what wasn't as agile as you would have liked. I think the roster was big and strong and, and could win some games with physicality, like that Ohio State game. But it wasn't fast. So I, I like that the Ducks get back to their roots, make that change. Yeah, I, I do too. I think it's, you know, it's clearly kind of rejuvenated the fan base. Um, you know, it's it, it clearly led to a more enjoyable spring game for everybody. And let's face it, it was. Everybody enjoyed seeing the ball get thrown around and, and you know, it, it just, it was funner. And I think that, you know, I, how do I want to say it? I mean, some people go and they, and they have a job, right? And they work at the same job for three, four, five, ten years, whatever, at certain points, you know, that job might get stale or boring or not as fun and your heart's not in it. And usually when you leave that job and you go take a new one, this isn't just related to college football, you go take a new job, you're rejuvenated, right? It's like, oh man, cool. I'm in a new place. This is, you know, I've got a fresh start, you know, I'm ready to go. And you kind of hit the ground running, you know, and it feels like, you know, for coach Lanning, you know, he obviously was given his first start as a head coach, but you know, he certainly hit the ground running. It feels like Coach Love had a had a pretty good thing going at Ole Miss, but feels maybe a little bit rejuvenated, you know, to come over here to Oregon. I think when we talked to Coach Dillingham, you know, he probably, he won't say it, but he probably had some frustrations at FSU given their lack of offensive line talent and, and skill positions that weren't especially strong. You know, now you come out to Oregon and you've got, you know, better players and the coach is basically saying it's your offense. Um, you know, all those guys are going to be rejuvenated. So I, th- I think it makes for an exciting year. Um, I think, you know, and we can talk a little bit about this. I think the Pac-12 North um, is not especially strong this year. It's been the better of the divisions in the Pac-12 the last few years. I'm not sure that that's the case this year. I think Oregon, you know, should, should certainly win the Pac-12 North. Uh, you know, Washington doesn't look like it's as good of a team as they have been in the past. Uh, Oregon State's still not there yet. I think they're working on it, but it goes to show that talent acquisition takes time. Um, and I don't think Jonathan Smith has had enough time to do that yet. Um, you know, Washington State might actually be the the next best team. I don't know. They have a bunch of question marks. Um, you know, again, these are all my points. I think it all comes in. And Dan Lanning has a pretty good roster, maybe not the best roster, but a pretty good roster and a pretty wide open Pac-12 North division, you know, a chance to go ahead and and win that division and compete for a Pac-12 title. I agree. And for what it's worth, I see you tiptoeing around the Beavers. You don't have to tiptoe around it, man. Like, 
if if I praise them, the torches and pitchforks come out for me. If you praise them, nobody's going to care. I, you know what? I have had no problem, you know, I have had no problem, you know, saying what I've said for the last couple of years. Yeah. I don't know that anybody has done more with less than Jonathan Smith has. I mean, really, he has done a phenomenal job of taking what we'll call an absolute shit roster because it is and making them competitive. But the problem is when you are giving up that much of a talent disparity you got to play near perfect football mm-hmm. for 60 minutes every single week, and that's just not going to happen. So I, I, I do, I don't, I think he has the Beavers trending the right direction, but I think folks are saying, well, it's it's year two or year three or whatever. Well, first off, COVID was part of that, so that really kind of throws part of it out. Uh, and, and secondly, uh, until they left this 25, you know, signing restriction, which they may very well do here in the next week or two. He's only been able to sign so many guys in a class and try to make his team better. So, um, again, I, I here's here's how I'll say this: Oregon State is trending the right direction. Arizona State's trending the wrong direction, as are the Huskies. So, <laughs> I mean, at least there's that. Yeah, yeah. And and to get back to your point, uh, you know, I had fun for a moment there. I, I agree with you. Um, the early odds that I saw the other day from uh, BetOnline.ag had had Oregon at two point two to one to win the conference, uh, five to two I think was the, uh, the the Vegas math, and then um, and then Washington eleven to one, Oregon State forty to one. I thought Oregon's odds were fine. Right, it, it makes sense that they'd be high. It also made sense they weren't the favorite. I think USC was two to one. Uh, Washington eleven to one. I thought that was too high, not because I I don't like the Huskies' potential long term, but just because I think even though Kalen DeBoer is a huge upgrade in the coaching department, like massive upgrade. I, I think Kalen DeBoer, that's that's a coup compared to what Washington had before. Right, they get a real head coach now. Um, I I still don't trust that roster to to make the leap year one. Right, maybe year two, year three, maybe. So I, I wouldn't touch the Huskies eleven to one, and then Oregon State forty to one. I think you hit the nail on the head. Like as as much progress as that program has made from the barest of bare cupboards to a, a team that's five hundred beats USC at USC, gets to a bowl game, um, all of that progress, I think, gets stalled by the pandemic and by a, a, a dramatically changing landscape in college football. Yeah. Yeah, and, and let's face you know, I've, I've said this about Oregon State. They're the team that you don't want to face, right? I mean, they're the team that you're supposed to win. You're supposed to beat them. But you know that they're going to have some tricks up their sleeves and they're going to play pretty good football and they're going to challenge you. And, you know, it's one of those where if you're not, you know, like if you're Oregon and you're going, oh, we can just walk through this game, you know, they can catch you. <laughs> and, and uh, you know, I, I think that's how I categorize the Beavers, you know, and and again, that's just showing that they're getting better because a couple of years ago, you know, frankly, they were where Colorado is at now, where you show up and just kind of expect to win because Colorado's really just terrible yeah. um, right now. So, yeah, I mean, and still, I guess everybody wants to continue the USC hype fest. I don't see them as the favorite, quite frankly. I think somebody needs to figure out how to knock Utah off their perch 
Granted, last year was the first year they won. I get all that, but they've certainly been building toward this. Right. And they did not lose that many pieces this offseason. That's going to be another really good football team this year. And quite frankly, they're built to beat USC because they'll dominate them in the trenches. Yeah, 5-1, to one, and I'm with you. They won't be 5-1 to one for long if the Sharps have any say in it. Uh, but, but I think USC was the favorite because USC has Lincoln. That's, that's it, really. Oh, 100%. I mean, I get it. I understand why. You know, they, they went and got Caleb Williams. You brought in Lincoln Riley. Everybody expects, you know, the, the, the offense, and they're going to be good on offense, but they've never been great on defense. Um, and let's be real. I mean, they've, they've lost to inferior teams under Lincoln Riley in the Big 12. And, you know, for me, I think if you're just looking at conferences as a whole, I don't see that the Big 12 is any more talented than the Pac-12. So a guy, t- to me, somebody like Lincoln Riley, who's done well in the Big 12, but still has had some issues here and there, you come to the Pac-12, which I think is a little bit tougher of a conference, it's going to be it's going to be harder. You're, you know, I mean, your week in and week out are going to be a little bit more difficult and you're going to face, you know, some teams, you know, he faced uh, Dave Aranda and Baylor and got his butt handed to him and didn't like it. I mean, there's a lot of good teams in the PAC 12 that are going to be looking at a lot of Oklahoma film this off season and, and trying to figure out ways to, you know, slow down that offense. Not to mention USC has done a absolutely horrible job of recruiting the line of scrimmage the last five years. So I don't know, who he thinks is going to be blocking or trying to tackle <laughs> runners at the line of scrimmage, but yeah. but they don't have those pieces right now, uh, and they're not sitting there in the transfer portal, uh, you know, at the moment. So yeah. that that to me remains a huge question mark for them. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that the the point about guys in the trenches that's the biggest problem for USC. Like I can remember the first year we did this podcast, we had um, Jonah Tawanu's mom, uh, Melissa who mm-hmm. still to this day, one of my all-time favorite interviews we ever did. Just I, I loved learning her story, picking her brain, learning about the, the process that they went through as a family in the recruiting cycle. And it, it, was, it was glaring then. We're talking four, almost five years ago now, of how ineffective USC was in that recruiting. Like, and this is a, a, an L.A. kid. And, you know, maybe 20 years ago would have been a shoe-in for USC. And, and 20 years later, they couldn't even get him in the building. Um, you know, you, you tick off mama and, uh, and you can't get anybody to sign. So I, I think w- w- when you have an inability to recruit at that position like they've had and an inability to recruit in L.A. like they've had um, – even with Lincoln Riley coming to town, that's not going to turn around overnight. No. And I mean, you know, one of the biggest uh, recruiting battles was Josh Connerly, five-star offensive lineman who quite frankly, Lincoln Riley had a jump start on USC had the edge for, for quite some time and Oregon ended up, you know, winning out in the end with that one, which, you know, of course is very public at the moment. But again, that's just, you know, hey, look, yeah, you guys got a, you guys got Caleb Williams, you guys got a five-star quarterback, you know, you, yeah, you've got some skill players, but you still need guys at the line of scrimmage, uh, you know, and Oregon has continued to be successful at that position. So, mm-hmm. um, and again, Utah is 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 built very similar to Oregon in that fashion that they're very, uh, you know, physical at the line of scrimmage, and that's definitely been 
uh, a problem for the Oklahoma, Lincoln Riley led Oklahoma teams of the past. Yeah. Well, I, I think, uh, think it's been a good podcast. We had Wilson Love, Oregon strength coach, got to share his story and his philosophy and vision for Oregon this season. And then uh, we just spent about 10 minutes talking about the Pac-12 when uh, Pac-12 Vegas odds came out the other day. Is there anything else you want to hit on before we call this a wrap? Uh, no, no, I don't think so. Um, you know, it's nice here in the off season, if you will, that we've been able to get some of these guests on. Of course, appreciate yeah. Coach Love. Um, I always think that that's one of the more intriguing elements to a football team. Uh, and of course, then then you're basically getting the CEO of that position group there, uh, which is great. So yeah, no, that that's it. I know, you know, I know baseball and, and softball are kind of doing their thing and coming to a close and and uh, you know season close and we'll enter the postseason if you will. But uh, but yeah, I mean for now I like to keep this mostly centric on on football or something related to football and yeah. Uh, once again, I think we've had another great podcast. Yeah, you mentioned baseball and softball. Uh, our guy Jared Denny, he's got jury duty, right? Yep, he does. Yeah. <laughs> so once uh, once the gavel bangs and Jared is free, we can uh, we can pick his brain on that stuff. Uh, Pac-12 baseball tournament coming up very soon. I know to the chagrin of uh, of myself and my fellow broadcasters. Um, Pac-12 softball, Ducks in the top 25. Hope, hopefully they can uh, do something nice in the next couple weeks and have a, a little more magical postseason than the unlucky one they had last year. But we still have a little bit of time to dive in on those sports, so we'll, we'll probably, probably try that next week. No, that would be perfect. If uh, Yeah, if I can't end up getting another guest or something, it's always a good week for us oh, to yeah. take a deeper dive in that stuff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, plus with the weather, it, it just screams baseball softball um he's justin hopkins i'm matt bagley this is scoop duck and hi-fi again wilson love was our guest this week ducks strength and conditioning coach making the move across the country from Ole miss and so far loving every minute of it listen back to that and i hope you enjoy it thank you for listening thank you for supporting the pod share it with a friend if you feel inclined and uh listen to us next week Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a great day, and go Ducks.